All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Sir. And Hunter Leon. And we're in the midst of March Madness, and there's been a bunch of crazy upsets, as was to be expected. This is March. Um, and so let's talk about it. There are no perfect brackets left in the whole world after the first round, which is insane. Uh, because there were so many wild upsets that happened. Uh, so, so let's just jump right into it. So I think... Let's start with the craziest upset that I don't think many people, most people saw coming. And that's the number 15 seed, St. Peter's beating Kentucky. So what what do you think of that? Like, what was your impression? How far did you have Kentucky going in your bracket? Man, that was I, that was a really crazy game. I think I had Tucky going to the Sweet 16. So it definitely doesn't ruin my bracket as much as it ruins some other people's. But yeah, I think I don't really think very many people had St. Peter's beating Kentucky. I didn't watch the full game, but I definitely clocked in once I saw that St. Peter's was beating them. And I was like, holy crap. Um, it's just one of those moments where it's like seeding doesn't matter as much as it, it, it does in the NBA because it's just one game. So anything can really happen. Right. And this was a game where I also wasn't watching because typically I don't really watch the 116 matchups or the 215s. But I kept checking the score, and it was a close game through and throughout until Kentucky was up around, I think, 10 in the second half. And I, I, I shut off the game. I was like, all right, well, Kentucky's going to close it out. And then the game went to overtime, and St. Peter's actually um, took it home, which is crazy. Because St. Peter's, here you look on Twitter, you see in the news, they have such a small basketball program. They spend barely any money on it. They play in what looked like a high school gym Versus Kentucky, you know, they're one of the biggest basketball programs in the country. And for them to win, it's just a ridiculous achievement. And so props to the players in St. Peter's. And I don't know, maybe people have to start talking about Coach Cal and like what's up with him because Kentucky has so much talent every year. And I feel like they're always disappointing. So I don't know, like <laughs> this is like of all the teams to be upset in the first round, I'm honestly not surprised that it was Kentucky, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think of, like, the top ones and two seeds, uh, this wouldn't have been the craziest shock if you were to, like, pick one of the top eight teams in the country and say which one of these is going out first. Kentucky, I'd bet, would be either your first or second pick. Uh, but it, it is still shocking. I mean, no one really ever expects, like, you said like the 215 matchup or the 116 matchup. Nobody really tunes into those games as much until you look at the score and you're like, holy crap. Um, but let's talk about the next game. I think this was another crazy one was New Mexico State beating UConn. Um, this was the five seed versus I think nine seed or what is that? Five, five, 12, five, 12. Yeah, you're right. Five, 12, the five, 12 matchup. Um, and so how did you th think this game went? Did you watch this game at all or? I did. I watched, this, I watched this game through and throughout, and I just like I love the players on on New Mexico State. They really fought this game, and UConn has a great defense. But when it came to the the offensive side of the ball, this team just had no idea what they were doing, and just it looked like they struggled every single time to um to put put the ball in the basket to get quality looks. And New Mexico State, um, I want to give a special like shout out to um. I'm trying to remember his name right now, but 
they had this one player that dropped like 30-something points, and he went absolutely crazy in that game against UConn, really powered them through. Um, oh, right, uh, Teddy Allen. He went crazy on both sides of the ball. Uh, one key sequence that stands out to me was um, it was it was a key possession. I think UConn needed a three to tie up the game, and he ended up getting the strip and then score the layup and one on the other side to, to close out the game. So props to him. This is what March is all about, just those players having those breakout moments. And UConn, again, great basketball cr- program, very uh, storied, you know, great legacy. But, like, you know, when it comes down to it, I feel like UConn also sort of disappoints. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is just the nature of March. It is one game. So you can't really put too much stock into it. So I'm not, I'm not saying, like, oh, Kentucky and UConn have to blow up their whole basketball programs or whatever. But, like, you know, you don't want to be winning these games. It is a 12 seed after all. And Yeah, I mean, New Mexico State also shot the lights out. They shot 65% from three-point. Uh, and, I mean, they made all their free throws as well, shot 46% from the field overall. So they just had a, a, a pretty solid, well-rounded game. Um, uh, one, one thing that stands out to me, which usually wins games in – uh, college is ball movement is like assists and uh, I'd say college is a lot more team oriented generally speaking and UConn actually had uh, three more assists than New Mexico State did but it didn't matter because like you said um, I forget the guy's name the guy who scored yeah. 37 Teddy points Allen, Allen. Yeah. Teddy, Allen. Teddy, Teddy I wanted to say Tony Allen but I, that definitely <laughs> wasn't the right name but uh, yeah Teddy Allen went off uh, so you know, sometimes it just is about a spark plug like that. Yep. Um, and so I guess we could talk about some other upsets that happened. Uh, let's see. Richmond beat Ohio or Iowa. Sorry. That one really was frustrating. That was the first uh, wrong pick for me in most of my brackets. I mean, I only made two, but like in both of them, I had Iowa winning. Uh, because, you know, in a lot of these tournaments, you see these big programs like Iowa, you know, like they, they're just a, a great sports school and they had a great season this year and they always produce a lot of talent. And for them to lose to a school like Richmond, it's disappointing, but I honestly like regret not picking Richmond because Richmond, this was a close game. Yeah, it was a close game. And I will say I was, I was tuned into this one too. They did kind of get screwed over by the refs. There was a shot to, uh, to tie up the game, or I think to take the lead, a uh, three-point shot, and the guy clearly got fouled, and they didn't call it. And so that led to, you know, them having to foul and eventually Richmond taking the game. But um, R- Richmond played really well. You have to give credit to them. Uh, they just played good, solid team basketball, fought in the defensive end as well. And, I mean, they're, they're a school that, you know, is always, like, you look at the history of, 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 upsets and their school that is a continual low seed but they pull off a lot of upsets so i should have been more aware of that and uh probably shouldn't have been so big on iowa um i I think some people had them going to like the final four even the national championship so i was not one of those people um but yeah i wasn't super big on iowa I, i was actually considering taking richmond in this one i didn't i had iowa going out in the second round so again didn't ruin my bracket too much but at this point my bracket doesn't even matter because it's all jumbled up it's all it's all messed up now yeah it's kind of in the trash um (laughs) it's 
one one thing that really sucked for me, and this is a game I want to talk about, and it's it's Alabama losing to Notre Dame. And this was a game where obviously Notre Dame got in through the play-in against Rutgers. That was one of the craziest games I've seen in a while. Double overtime really came down to the wire, and Notre Dame ended up taking that one. But I was really big on Alabama for some reason. Not going to lie, if you ask me why I had Alabama going to the Final Four, I couldn't give you a reason. But I did pick Alabama going to the Final Four, and they did lose to Notre Dame. Um, so that, that really is a shame uh, for me because now my bracket is – I mean, it, I don't – honestly, I don't even care anymore, you know. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> but I will say this uh, – that – what do you call it? Yeah, uh, Cormac Ryan had a great game. He scored 29 points, which was his career high. Um, and this was a pretty big blowout win, too. This wasn't a close game for the most part. Right. And I want I wanted to shout out as well um, on Notre Dame, Blake Wesley. He's a guard. He scored like um, 18 points against Alabama. He had a great game. And he's uh reason I bring him up is because he's a, an NBA prospect. If people have him going in the lottery or a high first-round pick at the latest, um, so, you know, th- these types of runs, if he can, you know, have a great game against Texas Tech, pull off another upset, which I think is definitely doable, that could bump up his draft stock even more. So rooting for him, rooting for Notre Dame, honestly. Like, I want to see one of these teams, like one of those 11, 12 seeds, make it to the um, – make it to either the Sweet 16 or the Final Four, uh, sort of like UCLA last year. Uh, yeah, that would be really sweet. Another upset. Um, I honestly, I didn't even view this one as an upset, even though the seeding was a six eleven matchup. It was Michigan beating Colorado State. I think Michigan was honestly a little underseeded coming into the tournament, and so I, I thought like I was not surprised at all to see them take this one pretty handedly. Yeah, Michigan. Um, that's actually the team I did have them beating Colorado State, so I got this one right. Um, but like you said, this is a storied franchise. This is a. a t- a team that puts a lot of effort into their basketball program, probably more so than Colorado state. Um, and they just played a, a, a great team basketball game uh, and came out with the win. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't watch this one fully again. Um, this just wasn't a game that appealed to me a ton. And it was also the first game of the day. So it was like a 12, 15 game Thursday. So I was in class, <laughs> but they came out with the dub and uh, let's see, I, I'm looking at uh the box score right now and something that again sticks out to me is nobody really went off in this game they just had a great all-around team game everybody on the, in uh their starting lineup scored like seven points or more uh four of the guys scored 14 points or more uh so this again was just team basketball yeah and, and michigan they have a great program uh, especially for basketball you know last year they went out to ucla um in the tournament but you know, they had Franz Wagner on the team, and he's a stud. So, like, yeah. he's playing really well in the NBA. They know how to cultivate and find talent. And, uh, you know, they, they have a great coaching staff there. I like Jawan Howard a lot. Um, one th- a couple, like, teams that, like, were underdogs, but I did expect them to win that I was actually really disappointed by. First, I, I was really surprised by Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech was a team coming to the tournament really hot off of, off the uh, ACC championship, smashing Duke in that game. Um, and then they come into the tournament as the 11th seed. They play Texas, and they lose by, like, 10 points or so. And I don't know if maybe it's just, like, I guess 
Duke was looking weak, but I had assumed it was just like Virginia Tech was red hot coming in. They would be able to beat Texas, who was liable to lose in the first round. You know, last year they did lose in the first round, and they are no stranger to that. But um, Texas ended up winning that. Uh, so that was one matchup for me that I was disappointed by. And then another one uh, over in the South was Loyola Chicago losing. This game was incredibly low scoring. You look at the final score. Loyola Chicago put up 41 points in the whole game. <laughs> That's just insane to me. 40 minutes of basketball, 41 points. You're scoring a point a minute, basically. Um, and it's really a shame. Loyola Chicago, they had their worst game of the season at the worst time. I was expecting another Cinderella run, but I guess not this year. Um, I, I, I view uh, Loyola Chicago as a team really built for March. You know, like they never really have like the, that high talent, those that star talent that carries you. But they have such a good program and they really feed off the crowd's energy. Um, but they just like couldn't score, couldn't play defense, couldn't really do much in this game. It's crazy, too, because Ohio State literally only made one three-pointer in the entire game. They looked so dead cold, but Loyola Chicago was just even colder. Yeah, so this wasn't even a game of <laughs> – this wasn't a game about who was hotter. This was a game of who was colder, and unfortunately, it was Loyola Chicago in this one. Seriously. Um, also, a couple a couple things. I want to talk about some uh, matchups coming up that uh, I just want to get your opinion on. So – Memphis was able to beat Boise State and Gonzaga, they beat Georgia State, but it was really close at one point. The game looked sort of like they could lose and we could have another Virginia UMBC situation here with the one seed losing losing to the 16. Um, And so now Gonzaga and Memphis are going to play in the second round. If anything, I think this just shows that Gonzaga is somewhat vulnerable. So who do you think is going to, how do you think this game is going to go and who do you think is winning? Ooh, this is one I'm really excited for because I'm excited to see this matchup between the high draft stock players. Um, you have Jalen Duran. He's obviously playing for Memphis. He, he's his high draft stock. I think they have him going top 10 or maybe top five even in this draft. He's young talent. Um, and then I'm trying to remember for Gonzaga. They have, sorry, do you, do you remember the guy's name? Chet Holmgren. Yes, yes, Chet Holgren. He's obviously projected to go number one right now. Seven foot tall, like like you were talking about uh, before the podcast. Very KD-like, Brandon Ingram-like, Slenderman kind of player. And th- they're two very different types of bigs, but I'm excited to see how they face off against each other because they're both super young talent. Um, and this might be a, a kind of game that determines e- each of their individual draft stocks based on how they play. Another guy who he's he's fallen off a lot uh, coming out of high school, being the number one prospect is Imani Bates. Um, he's just been injured this season for a, a lot of it um, and hasn't looked the best. He came out red hot to the start of the season, but he hasn't really been himself since then. I'm excited to see what he's able p- to provide in March Madness because I think he's been kind of looking forward as opposed to focusing on the now. Um, I would love to see Memphis win this one. I'm just a big fan of Memphis. I went to see them play in person. Um, so I don't know that they'll be able to pull the win out, but that's who I'm rooting for. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see that matchup too. Honestly, like, I don't know if Gonzaga is going to have Chet play against, uh, Jalen Duren because Jalen Duren is a physical beast. He's six mm-hmm. ten, two 250 pounds, just dominant inside the paint on both sides. Um, you know, he really knows how to, um, crash the glass, protect the rim. 
um, and, and score in the paint on offense. And so I think that, uh, what do you call it? I think that Gonzaga is going to try and put a guy, a bigger guy like Drew Timmy on him. But still, that's going to be a great matchup. And I think Memphis has what it takes to win this game. They have a lot of talent. They have that star power that you need to beat a star-studded team like Gonzaga. But the question is, are they going to be able to put it together? And is Gonzaga, like, maybe it was just first-game jitters, you know, like you need to sort of find your footing again as you go into the tournament. So if Gonzaga's firing on all cylinders, like we know they can, this game wouldn't even be close, if I'm being honest. Like, they Gonzaga, when they're playing at their peak, is just way better than every other team. So, but if they're take their time coming out the block and they stumble a little bit, Memphis could definitely capitalize. Um, and the next game I want to talk about really quick, it's it's a game that's ongoing right now. And it's number one seed Baylor playing number eight seed North Carolina. And right now, as it stands, four minutes left in the second half, North Carolina's up 10. It's looked like they're going to win this game. So Yeah, they were up 25. So, I mean, Baylor's mounting a comeback and they have the momentum right now, but still they're down 10 points with four minutes left. And that's a lot larger of a lead uh, in college basketball than it is in the NBA. The game's just a, a bit slower, uh, a lot less scoring. So uh, I'm excited to see how this one ends up going down, but this might upset pe- people's brackets even more if North Carolina, the eight seed takes out Baylor. Hey, I mean, give credit to me. I did have North Carolina winning this one against Baylor. So um, I, w- I thought that, you know, Baylor, like, yes, they have talent. Yes, they have prospects. And they do have a great program. They obviously won the national championship. But losing such a key piece in Davion Mitchell, who's really like the – he was really the heart and soul of this team. I think – I thought that was such a big effect. You know, like, obviously, like, Gonzaga lost Jalen Suggs in the draft. Um, but they they got additional talent around there. They got other prospects. They obviously got Chet. Um to fill in that void. But Baylor, you know, I don't think they really were able to do that to the same extent. And yes, this game isn't over, but as you said, the game is a lot slower in college. So I guess we'll have to wait and see for that. Um, I also wanted to give a, sorry, real quick, a, a quick shout out to Brady Manick, who is playing for North Carolina. Um, this isn't somebody who had like a lot of, of draft stock or anything like that, but he's just putting up some crazy points right now. This is a six, three guy, or sorry, six, nine forward um, kind of a three and D wing looks a lot like a uh, Bill Walton. That's uh, he is like the long hair, big beard, white dude. And he put is, has 26 points in this game right now, four for eight from deep. Um, and he had 28 points in the last game they played in the first round. So he's been playing great in March madness. So if he keeps this up, he could really pump up his stock. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so I guess with all these upsets going on and with their like brackets now, sort of all in shambles, what what would be your new Final Four if you had to pick right now, just based off everything that has happened already? Oh, my God. Uh, that question. I think Arizona and Kansas for sure. Okay. I, st- I still believe in those two. Um, if Baylor isn't there, oh, I've, I'm not sure. Maybe Tennessee and Gonzaga. I think those might be my four. Well, you can't have Arizona. Wait, oh, wait, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what am I thinking? Um, uh, I need to see, honestly, I, I would need to see what side of the bracket each one is on, to be honest. I don't have the bracket memorized. Fair enough. Yeah, but um, if you want to throw out your four, go ahead. 
Yeah, so I think I'm going to stick with Gonzaga. I think that it's going to be close against Memphis, but I think they'll pull it out. Um, I'll go with um, Arizona as well, I think. Actually, no, I'll stick with Tennessee. I have Tennessee uh, in most of my brackets. AKA, I don't know, I keep saying most of my brackets. I have two brackets, and in one of them I have Tennessee. One of them I have Arizona. So I'll go uh, Gonzaga. Then I will go Tennessee. Then we're going to go down to the east. And I think this one originally had UCLA, but I think – I don't know if I like UCLA. I think I'll go Purdue. I'm going Purdue as well. Like, I, I didn't know they had this one guy. Let me find his name really quick. Um, he's like 6'11", like almost 300 pounds. This guy is a, a, a beast in the paint. Um, Zach Eddie, I think is his yeah, name. Yeah, Eddie. Zach Eddie. This guy is an absolute beast. He's 7'4", 300 pounds. Oh, my God. Um, he's insane. And when they played against um, when they played against uh, Indiana, I think it was, or who did they play in the tournament? It was Yale, sorry. Yale, not Indiana. Um, he was just swallowing up every rebound and getting them the second chance points. So I think that no team's really going to be able to match their size or star power with Jaden Ivey. So, and then finally in the Midwest, oh, this one's tough. I'll, I'll just go Kansas. I'll go Kansas. I'll play it safe. Kansas, so, yeah. I, th- I have Kansas winning the tournament still. So, I'm going to go with – I have the list up now. So, I'll go Kansas, Arizona. I want Memphis to be there. I'm going Memphis. I'm saying they're going to pull it out against Gonzaga, and then they're just going to power their way there, dream team, and mm-hmm. then Purdue. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, all right. So, I think that's a good amount of March Madness talk for now. So, let's get back into the NBA. Um, uh, talking about all these like upsets and all this crazy stuff going on the March Madness. Let's transfer it over to the NBA. All the surprises. So, what teams have have you felt have surprised you the most this year? I guess we could stick with like the second half of the season because the first half I feel like you know is kind of unpredictable, and the second half of the season really is where teams start to come to their own. Mm-hmm. I'll go with um, the Raptors, honestly. Like, right now they're sitting at the seventh seed um, with, with, with not too many games back from the sixth seed. I think they're one game back from the sixth seed, two games back from the five seed. Um, so they have a lot of room to keep moving up. And this is a team when we came into it and we made our preseason brackets um, or our preseason standings, we had, we both didn't have this team even in the play-in. We just had them at like the 11-12 seed. We thought this was a rebuild. Um, but, you know, a lot of these players have stepped up. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet was an all-star this year. Pascal Siakam has been terrific. Uh, we couldn't go without mentioning Scotty Barnes, who's been on a tear as of late and might win Rookie of the Year, honestly. Um, yeah. This Do you think he has it over Evan Mobley? I don't know. I think it's between him – it's it's a four way race right now, in my opinion. It's 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 a three way race. If I'm being real, it's Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Cade Cunningham, and it's just like this last stretch is really going to be the determinant factor. Um, and also Gary Trent Jr. You got to mention him. He's been playing lights out on this team and really has fit in within their culture and within within their system. And guys like uh, Precious Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, they picked up Thaddeus Young. Like this is a very solid team, well coached and. I've been surprised by them, but in a pleasant way. I'm glad to see them make the playoffs. Or yeah, absolutely. Playoffs. What about yeah, you? This is a very likable team. It's coached by Nick Nurse. I mean, they were just there. Losing Kawhi is a big hit to them. And I think after they lost Kawhi, and then obviously Kyle Lowry, everyone kind of said, okay, the Raptors had 
their their year and now they're going to rebuild for a while but no they've they've really turned this into a, a solid constructed roster I mean, and look, they were able to get the fourth pick in the draft and get Scotty Barnes, who's obviously turned out to be one of the one of the best picks in this draft. Um, so, I mean, they're looking in great shape. And one thing I'll say about that, um, when we were watching the drafts, everyone had questions about why they picked him as opposed to Jalen Suggs. And I think we can say pretty definitively right now that that was definitely the right pick. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I think Jalen Suggs has been great for the Magic as well. But Scotty Barnes has just been a whole new level for this team. And he also fits a lot better because you already have the guys like Fred Van Vliet on this team. You have Gary Trent Jr. You needed a big guy, a, a glue guy, and that has been Scotty Barnes for them. True. And um, yeah, I think I think they just you have to give credit to the scouting. It's always great in Toronto. And they, they've they've really made some waves this season. Um, what else? What, what other teams have stood out to you this season? Yeah, I'd say in the second half of the season, let's stick in the East for now. I'm going to go ahead and say the Chicago Bulls in a negative way. I really think the Chicago Bulls, they started the season so great. And obviously they've had injuries and they've been doing incredibly without Lonzo Ball, without Alex Crusoe. Um, Obviously they were out without Zach Levine for a bit of time. DeMar has been great, but they just haven't been beating the top teams in both conferences. That's been their biggest problem all year. Is I'm not sure if this still holds, uh, but there's been a, a long stretch where they have not beat any team in the top four seeds in either conference. Yeah, I think that's um, still true. That still stands. So, I mean, they've fallen all the way down to the five seed right now, which isn't, doesn't mean a lot because I'm sure the difference between them being the two seed and the five seed is like three or four games. But still, I mean, this team needs to figure out how to beat winning teams. Definitely. And I think that's going to be their biggest downfall when it comes to the playoffs, because when they have to play one of those top four seeds, because I don't think they're going to end as like a as a top four seed. So when they have to play one of those top four seeds in a seven game series, are they even going to be able to like pull out more than one or two games? I don't know. Um, and as it stands right now, they would play the Celtics in the first round series. And we've discussed this matchup before. I think that's a really great matchup for the Celtics. And we could see the Bulls going out as a first-round team when it looked like in the first half of the season, people were saying this is a team that could make the Eastern Conference Finals or even the Finals. So I would agree they've definitely been uh, disappointing and surprising in a negative way. But there's still time for them to put it all together. Um, Obviously, they've had to deal with a lot of injuries. So, you know, you have to factor that in when you're taking into account this team. But another question I have is, like, we know DeMar DeRozan's playoff reputation um, and how he's always sort of underperformed. Zach Levine has never been in the playoffs. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. And there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered when they actually are in a playoff series. So Yeah, Vucevic has always been the first round exit with the Magic. And also, like you said, also Lonzo Ball has never been there. So it, it's either guys who've not performed well gotten out in the first round or just don't have experience at all yeah and then you're going to be relying on like your rookies i would assume to, to to step up um or like you know guys who haven't been there before so it's going to be really interesting um and i i don't know we'll, we'll have to see what happens there uh and let's move on to the west I, I want to bring up this team because i think they've been playing incredible basketball as of late and that's the minnesota timberwolves i think we knew that they were going to be good this season because we saw how good Anthony Edwards was in his rookie season. Obviously, um, he won rookie of the year. 
right? That was the first team I had in mind. Yeah, yeah. This was the first team I had in mind in the West is who's been impressive to me. Absolutely the Timberwolves. I mean, this was a team I had being around the seven or eight seed. So that uh, it's not far off from where they are now, but they're only three games out from the four seed. Three games. So yeah. it's just it's just crazy. I mean, they've been making a splash. Cat has looked incredible. Um, D'Lo solid. Ant-Man, he, you could argue he's one of the guys most improved. Um, and then Patrick Beverly has was a great pickup for this team, a team we thought had no defense, and that was one of their biggest issues, has, has found a way to roll. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we're seeing a, a bunch of different guys step up for them. I think Torian Prince has been really underrated on this team, sort of just that glue guy doing everything. Yeah, Malik Noel. Beasley as well. Malik Beasley, honestly, I've been a little disappointed by him. I think that he had a great season last year, and I really haven't seen the same production from him. But other guys have sort of stepped up in his place. Also, Nas Reed, he's a guy. Vanderbilt. There's just a lot of quality players on this team who have been really doing their job and doing what it takes. And I think, I don't know if it's Patrick Beverly, but, like, this team has really stepped it up as well on the defensive side of the ball. And that's always been this team's struggle. Um, And so I, I don't know if Pat Bev really changed that culture. But it's good to see them improving there. And I would be really excited to see how they do in a playoff series. Imagine this. Imagine the Timberwolves have to go in a first-round series against, uh, oh, the Warriors without Steph Curry if he's still out from that injury. That's a series the Warriors could lose. Yeah, absolutely. If, if the Warriors don't have Steph Curry, they are prone, prone to lose to any team in, of any seat. I mean, that's, that's their big guy, you know? I don't care who you are. Pretty much any team in the league, if you lose your best player, you're prone to lose to any team. This is true. This, uh, let me think. I think I, – I, except, except the Suns. Honestly, I could say almost every team, with with exceptions to the Brooklyn Nets, the the Phoenix Suns, and yeah, like – From the Miami the, Heat. Maybe – okay, I'd say with exceptions to Miami Heat. Okay, there's like maybe four teams in the entire league in – the Warriors aren't one of them. I agree with that. You know, the Warriors need Steph. They need all their three guys. They don't have those three guys. Actually, they just need – I feel like they just need two, honestly. They just they, need... They, need, they need Draymond and and they need Steph. Clay is interchangeable, but I think they've been able to adapt without having Clay. I think if you two years ago, they absolutely needed Clay, but they've figured it out without him. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so actually, we, we've been talking a lot about uh, playing teams like we talked about, you know, the Timberwolves, the Raptors. And so the plan is going to be really interesting to see with all the, these taunted squads uh, in the tournament. So as of right now, the East plane is looking like the Raptors at seven, the Nets at eight, Hawks at nine, Hornets at 10. And then in the West, the Timberwolves at seven, Clippers at eight, Lakers at nine, and then the Pelicans at 10. So do you think that the seating is going to stay similar to this uh, as it is now? Or do you think that some team will have like a drastic change in seating, make a, a, a big push or a big plummet? I think the bottom tier seating, like the bottom half is going to stay the same. So the nine and the 10 seats, I don't think will change. You see the, the gap between the Lakers and the Clippers is six games. That's a, a, a big gap um, for now. Or it's, it's actually less than that because the, the Clippers have played less games, but um, we'll see where that ends up taking them. And the Pelicans um, in, the, in the Spurs have a pretty good cushion. I think it's two and a half games there. 
Um, and on the east side of the ball, it, it's a five-game cushion between the 10 and the 11 seed. Um, so I think the Hawks and the Hornets are set to play each other, and most likely the Lakers and the Pelicans are set to play each other. Um, wouldn't, I the think the t- the, wouldn't the Lakers play the Clippers? Oh, sorry, my bad. It's, it would be Lakers, Clippers, and Nets, Hawks. Yeah. Um, so I think those those are pretty set, but I think Minnesota has a very good chance to to increase anywhere between uh, the seven and five seed. I think we could see Nuggets in the play-in, which would be very scary. Um, I don't see that as well as, happening. I don't see that happening. Uh, it could ha- I'm saying a, a team that this could happen to. I mean, it's a one-game difference between the six and the seven seed. Uh, Miss, no, Minnesota that- has a. I think Jamal Murray is going to be coming back soon. He actually got assigned a couple of days ago to their uh, G League affiliates. So he's ramping yeah, I up saw to, that. to a return. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Nuggets are only going to get better. I don't see them dropping. Yeah, a, a big game coming up is uh, the, the Mavericks are going to be playing against the Timberwolves. So that could be a game which determines seeding. Um, most likely the Mavs are going to win that game. So if that's the case, then I don't think it'll change too much. The East is another story, though. The East could very well change a little bit. Uh, the Raptors, uh, again, are, I believe, one game out from the seat ahead of them. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, they're one game out from the Cavs, and the Cavs have been on the decline a little bit ever since losing um, Jared Allen. That's a big hit to them. Uh, Chicago, again, another team on a downturn. So we could see either – I'm going to say most likely between Chicago and the Cavs, more likely that the Cavs end up around the seven seed. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the Nets – do we think the Nets are going to stay in the play and now having KD back? I, I, I don't think, think so. I think the Nets are going to rise. I mean, if anything, I, I hope the New York City government changes their mandate so that Kyrie can play home games. Because if Kyrie can play home games, I see this team ending as like a six seed, honestly, six five. Yeah, this I'd agree with you. The crazy thing ball. is they have a hard, hard schedule. They play the Jazz, Grizzlies, uh, Heat. Hornets, uh, they play the Bucks. Yeah, the, it, those are the tough games they have left. So, I mean, who who knows what could happen? But I, again, I think they'll win about half of those games and then win the rest of their other games. So, I do see them rising. Agreed. I just think uh, last thing I'll say about this playing situation that I think is very funny is we've been waiting to see the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, have their playoff battle, the Battle of LA. And we're finally probably going to get it, except it's going to be in the play-in. And it's going to be the trash Lakers against the Clippers with no Kawhi, no Paul George. And if I'm being real, the Clippers will probably win that game. Well, I mean, the Lakers would have to win two games is the thing. They'd have to win two in a row, and the Clippers could give up a game. Uh, no, no, so. I, is that how it works? I thought it was like it's it's a one-game thing, but the Lakers have to make win two games to get into the playoffs. No, I, I is, is it the one game thing? I think it's a one game thing. Oh, I think maybe for the eight nine, it's a one a one game thing. Okay, I think it might be a one game thing. I think. Okay, are you sure? I think this is how it works. Okay, so eight and nine and seven and ten play. They each play one game, right? If if the eight or if the nine wins against the eight, they play the loser of the. Well, no, they play. They I'm play the there. winner. I think they who the the winners play each other, correct? I don't think so because I wouldn't. Mm. Oh yeah, I, they do. I, they do actually, they do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure how it works. <laughs> I might be crazy, but do it doesn't not work like this. 
if the Clippers beat the Lakers, it's done. Lakers are out. If the Lakers beat the Clippers, they have to beat them twice. I don't think so. I don't, I think it's like if the if the Lakers beat the Clippers, then the Clippers play the Pelicans for the eighth seed, and then the the Lakers will play the Timberwolves. Oh no 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 no. Okay, as of right now, it is a nine ten. The nine and ten seed do play each other. It wouldn't be the Battle of LA. Really? Oh, How it works is the winner the winner of the nine ten seed plays against the loser of the seven eight seed. Oh, okay. and then the, the, the so basically how it works is whoever wins the seven eight seed battle goes to the seven seed. The loser of the seven eight seed between the uh, Clippers and the Timberwolves has to play the winner of the nine ten seed to to battle in for the eight seed. I'm not gonna lie, this is like the most confusing thing ever. And we like follow this like the the league intensively, and we still can't really figure this out. Yeah, I'm 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 just reading it right now. So okay, I, I was sorry. right originally when I said it would be Lakers Pelicans. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. So it would be a Lakers Pelicans. I mean, the battle for LA would be very feasible if it were to start today. What would have to happen is the the Timberwolves would have to beat the Clippers, and then the the Lakers would have to beat the Pelicans, and then they'd battle it out to see if they could get the eight seed. That would be fun. Um, um, I, I think there's there's two things. In, in, in this entire playoffs, even though the Lakers have sucked this year and the Nets have fallen off because KD's been out, no team wants to play the Lakers. No team wants to play LeBron and AD because AD is going to come back no matter who else is on the team, and no team wants to play against the Nets. I agree with that. It's crazy. Like We had both the, the Lakers and the Nets ranked pretty highly coming to the season just to see them both like in the playing situation it's ridiculous to me yeah it's, but, um, it's pretty crazy let's let's move on to talk about some crazy scoring that's been happening in the league recently so it seems like everybody and their mother is dropping 50 points plus in the league nowadays um like recently lebron dropped 50 points twice in the same week carl anthony towns dropped a career high 60 then the next day Kyrie dropped 60 uh, Kyrie also dropped 50 on efficient shooting against the Hornets. Sadiq yeah, that, by the way, that was correct. Kyrie's career high as well. 60? Yeah. It was, it was yeah and it was also uh, a um, franchise high. Um, KD dropped 50. Uh, I'm going to say 57 or 57. I think it was uh, I think it was 57. Tatum. Uh, Jason Tatum dropped 54. Job dropped 50 recently. Luka dropped 50. And Sadiq Bay of all people also dropped fifty on a game that I think literally no one was watching. It was while March Madness was happening. The Detroit Pistons versus the Orlando Magic on a Thursday night. The battle for the fifteen seed. Who was watching that game? Why did that <laughs> game think that was a good idea? Um, no, the I- NBA did it on purpose. I mean, they had a a twelve game slate the day beforehand because they knew March Madness was going to happen oh, the next true. day, and then they said nobody's going to care about this game anyways. And that was a smart move. We talk about career high viewership, or um, sorry, like we talk about all time high viewership. That is definitely all time low viewership. There's like ten <laughs> people watching that game. Um, yeah, anyway, six people in attendance. <laughs> the, uh, it looked like COVID era when when the stadiums were empty because no one was watching. But um, anyway, I just want to ask, like, why do you think so many people are dropping so many points as of late? Is this just like a coincidence, or is there something? in like the Gatorade they're drinking, like what's going on? Uh, yeah, I think they're all taking steroids. I think the, the, the league collectively decided to select specific players to take steroids. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, 
in actuality, I really think what's going on is since you know how in the beginning of the season, everybody was kind of cold, like new ball, yeah. new rules. I think players have become more comfortable with those things. And I think that was something we talked about a lot earlier in the season was it's going to take time for players to find their groove, obviously with these new rules, new ball, it's just a little bit of a different feel. I think people have just become more comfortable playing in the new rules. I, I mean, it's the end of the season. People have had time to adjust. And sometimes it just takes time to adjust, even though it might not seem that immediate. If you remember last year, like right off the bat, Steph Curry was dropping like 50, like multiple times. Braun mm-hmm. dropped 50. Like there were so many players in a row just dropping 50 consecutively just because the way basketball is played now, it's faster paced. And then to start off this year, where everybody was like barely dropping 30, it was a very slow start to the year. I think players have just come into being comfortable now. I agree. I would agree with that. I also think something you have to put in, take into consideration. It's like we're getting the home stretch of the season where teams are starting to fight for seeding, trying to like make a playoff push or make a seeding push. And so these big performances are, are needed a lot of the times to power you through to the wins. The stars are thinking, you know, I got to, I got to drop 50 to, to carry my team to the W like I can't just be coasting because this is crunch time now. Like this is do or die. So, you know, Kyrie, he can barely play half the games for his team. He's like, okay, when I'm on the court, I'm going to ball out. I got to get 50. I got to get 60. I got to do whatever it takes. And he's the best part-time basketball player ever. (laughs) No, seriously. The same with like LeBron, Carl Anthony Towns. I guess the only guy who would sort of rebuke this thesis would be Sadiq Bey because. And and Luke, I mean, sorry, not Luke. uh, Jaw as well. He has no need. He, there's there's nothing he's fighting for. Sure, but I mean like staying as the two seed. Uh yeah, be- yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I, I think there really is to say about that. Um we we brought up the two seed. Let's talk about the three seed real quick. Uh in the key injury we brought up earlier was Steph Curry, who is out with a sprained foot foot ligament. Um, I don't think it's like a tear or anything, but he is out in out indefinitely. So how's this going to impact the Warriors? Are they going to drop in seeding? Are, are they going to still be good? Like what's what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, this is pretty huge for the Warriors. I mean, obviously, finally got healthy, finally had Steph, Clay, and Draymond back in the fourth for the first time in two and a half years. That is insane to think about. These guys have not played a game together in two and a half years. They get out there, they play a few games, they look good, and then boom, Steph goes down. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched that game, but Marcus Smart, basically what happened was there was a loose ball, and he dove onto Steph Curry's foot, and it tweaked in a very, very weird way. Um, And right after the play, Steve Kerr went over to him, so mad at Marcus Smart, was like, you cannot do that kind of stuff. Um, But, I mean, it did not look good. It's thank God that Steph Curry didn't have any sort of a break or tear, uh, but it is strained and we don't know the severity of it. It's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. What that means for the Warriors, they have a, a decent cushion. They have a, uh, I believe, a three-game cushion on the four seed. So they have a little room to work with. I'm just going to take a look at their schedule right now. Uh, it, I don't think it's too tough. They're they're going up against the, the Spurs, then the – Orlando Magic, the Hawks, the Wizards. But at the same time, they also have to play Miami, Memphis, Phoenix, uh, Utah again. So they have like their, their schedule isn't super tough, but they do have some hard games in there. So I could see them going 500 in this little stretch without them. And the, he's going to need every bit of rest before the playoffs. So 
I bet the Warriors are just hoping they can hold on to that three seed. So when Steph comes back, even if he's not at 100%, they can get him rolling into the playoffs and not having to fight too hard uh, against a really good team. Yeah, and the thing we know about the Warriors, I, I totally agree with everything you said. The thing we know about the Warriors is they have those guys who can step up, that next man up mentality. You know, I think I expect to see Jordan Poole take on a bigger role, John, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, these guys are going to step up and really thrive in his absence. And hopefully Andrew Wiggins gets out of his slump that he's been in and, and starts balling again because ever since All-Star break, he's been terrible, shooting the lowest free throw percentage post-All-Star break for an All-Star starter in history. He's shooting like 35%. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's um, crazy. He's shooting worse than like Will Shaq, uh, Ben Wallace. Like, it's insane. But um, on that note, with our Andrew Wiggins slander out the way, um, we, that's I think that's pretty much all we got to say. So thank you all so much for listening. It's been another. Good oh, episode. sorry, I just want to add one more thing on that we didn't really talk about, but I think it is something we should talk about. Is a little bit of that Raptors Lakers game. This is just gonna be a real quick little thing. Sure. Is Russell Westbrook finally hits a game tying three pointer? All all the clowning, everything. At the end of the day, he had a brick, absolute horrible shot the first time he attempted a three to, to tie the game it hit off the side of the backboard. To be fair, LeBron also missed his three. And this was like a last second heave. It wasn't like this was written for him. Uh, but at the same time, he did break it off like the corner of the backboard went flying the opposite way. Um, it, it's nice to see him finally get his stride. He had a, an effective triple double. This wasn't some, this wasn't some stat padding kind of game. This was a very effective game for Russell Westbrook. Um, which he definitely needed. Do you think that he'll carry this momentum forward? Or do you think this was just something where it's like he was going to bound to have one of those games? Sorry about that in the background. But, um, yeah, no, I think it was good to see Russ hit that shot. I was I was happy for him. I saw the clip on Twitter because I wasn't able to watch the game live. And I just thought it was going to be one of those clips where Russell Westbrook, like, bricks really badly or does something stupid, like steps on the line. Because at first I thought he stepped on the line. But that was a great shot. Proud of him for hitting that. Um but, you know, that first three was in classic rust, too, because, like, they could have, like, dribbled out the shot clock a little bit more, you know, gotten a better shot um, or, or, you know, like, gotten the last shot and really dribbled out the clock or got it to back to LeBron or something. But, no, Russ just, is like, dribbles it, gets the rebound, dribbles it back out to the three-point line, just chucks it up. It's the top left of the backboard. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, but then, you know, they end, he ends up tying the game and, also, play. another thing we have to mention is he got the steal, too. This was a very clutch steal. Raptors have possession, and the Lakers are most likely to have to foul, but he gets the steal instead, which puts them in a way better position. So this this was a rust W, uh, and he also had great minutes in overtime. So this was a, a much-needed game from him. And well, LeBron I, I think this, had LeBron at 36. Can't forget about yeah, that. Yeah, Le- okay. We can't pretend like LeBron like had some bad game. No, LeBron went for 36. And actually, he only needs 20 more points now to be the second scoring leader all time to pass um, Carl Malone. So yeah. that's most likely going to happen tonight um, because we are playing against, I want to say, the, the Washington Wizards tonight. Um, but do, look, going back to what I was saying earlier, do you think this is something that Russ is going to carry forward or do you think this is just a game? It's hard to say, and I really don't want to say yes. I mean, I want to say yes, but I really can't, like – put myself in that position because every time I, I see Russ have a good game, I'm like, okay, finally they're figuring it out. Finally he's putting it all together. 
And then he comes back and has a terrible game, drops five points on the worst shooting we've ever seen, and has 10 turnovers. Um, so I'm going to withhold all uh, predictions, all judgments, and I'm just going to wait and see. And, and with my fingers crossed and hope for the best. Yeah, um, I will also say post-All-Star break, I think he's been treating 11% from three. Um <laughs> It was it, it was 9%, but he went four for seven last night. Yeah, hey man, that's improvement. Let's go. <laughs> um, all right, there we go. We got that. Thank you for reminding me. So we got our Andrew Wiggins slander out, Russell Westbrook. All right. Where's we the Ben that. Simmons? What about the DeMontis Sabonis? Oh, okay, okay. Ben Simmons, I want to say one thing. Steve Nash says, like, he's not even close to playing basketball. What have you been doing this whole time, bro? Like, the, how is this guy can't play basketball? You're getting paid so much money. He's literally ducking this, his own team that he got wanted to get traded to. And I don't even know if he's going to play in the playoffs. Like, this guy is sad. He's a, he's a disgrace. And with that, we can finally end the episode. Um, and uh, thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> uh, it's been a great episode. And we'll see you all next week with more college basketball, NBA basketball, Europe basketball, maybe. I don't know. It depends on what happens. Anything basketball. you'll. Yeah, just we'll come. start talking about actually about the Serbian league in Nikola Jovic. <laughs> Nikola Jovic, yep. <laughs> uh, and with that, thank you all, and uh, take care. Bye-bye.